You're listening to the Southampton Delivery Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the Southampton Football Club and all of the SFC fans. If you want to have guarantees, you have to buy a washing machine. Match either we win or we learn, and today we learn. Abdacha, Austin, shot at Isabel. It's in field to Mane, 25 yards out. Lovely ball for Bella. Onside, 1 0. Blue fast shot. Oh my word. It's unbelievable. He ran around a bit like Bambi on ice. It was very, very embarrassing to watch. And now, your host, Matt Markstone. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Southampton Delivery Podcast, a podcast and newsletter dedicated to the Southampton Football Club and all of the SFC fans, available right here on SouthamptonDelivery.com. My name is Matt Markson. I am the host of the show. And no matter where you are, no matter how you may be listening, whether this is your first time or you've been here before, thanks for making the show part of your day. I hope you enjoy it. And I also hope that you enjoyed Saints trip to Stanford Bridge and the point that we got in a quite thrilling three-all draw. Whether you listened on the radio, whether you dialed in uh, to a stream on the internet that was 100% legal using all 100% above board equipment, um, or you, you ponied up the dough, or you went down to the pub, or whatever you did, I hope that you somehow got to enjoy that match, because there was a lot to enjoy, from stoppage time equalizers to the return of Theo Walcott to the debut of Ibrahima Diallo. Uh, there was a lot for us to enjoy, and quite frankly, some things to uh, hope we never, ever see again. Um, RIP, Jan Bednarak. Anyway, there is a lot to talk about, so let's get into it now with Alex Hammond. You can find him on Twitter, at AlexHammond21. Um, there's kind of a lot going on in the Twitter at, so just click the link in the show notes if you'd like to give him a follow. Um, and if you are in the mood for um, helping people out through following or whatever, uh, consider leaving a review on iTunes for the show. Um, I would appreciate it. Um, some people would appreciate it. There are some people who have sent me emails this week who would not appreciate it because they don't like the show. Um, but if they're listening to this, that's on them, not me. So, uh, anyway, let's get into the episode now and, uh, thanks for listening. We'll talk to you on the other side. I'd like to welcome back to the Southampton delivery podcast, Alex Hammond. You've been here before, but it's been, it's been a considerable amount of time. Uh, but now you're back. People can follow you on Twitter at A-L-X-H-M-N-D-21. It's just your name without the vowels and then 21 in the end. And I, th- I believe one less M, unless I've messed that up somehow. There's one less M, but that's fine. That's all right. So uh, link is in the show notes. Um, welcome back. Uh, you've had quite a journey since we last spoke. Um, yeah. Sports journalism-wise, uni-wise, everything. And uh, how are you? Yeah, I'm good. Um, so yeah, I think the last time we spoke, I remember which game it was. It was the two-all draw against Watford, uh, the infamous Decore equaliser with his hand, um, pre-VAR, of course. Um, but yeah, uni's been... I'm, I'm going into my um, fourth year now. Um, I've had experiences with um, local clubs, EC football club. I worked with them for a year. Um, I worked with Talksport for a week. Um, I've had little little things here and there, working, you know, radio production, TV production, editing, etc. It's the sort of path I want to take when I'm older, especially sort of a radio and TV. Um, looking at moving abroad, because um, I've made so many good friends um, in Australia, especially. Um, and as well, 
tomorrow will be a year since I was diagnosed from hospital with type 1 diabetes, but it's been it's been a rocky road, but I'm doing these days I'm doing really well mentally, physically. I feel like I'm doing as well as I've done in the past year. And in uh, four days' time, it will be my 22nd birthday, which will be nice. Well, all right. All right. Well, happy early birthday. And I hope, I don't know, I hope it's a good one, even though, you know, social distancing and yeah, all, all of that. Um, I think at this point, like people are figuring out how to have birthdays and be socially distanced. Um, we've done, we've done drive-by birthdays. We've done drive-through baby showers. Um, We've done a lot of stuff. I don't know. I don't know what. Do you have any plans or no? Yeah, we're going. Uh, so my parents are coming down from London. So I live in uh, I live in Southampton. Um, so they're coming down. Uh, we're going out for lunch, and then we're going to. Um, I'm going to do um, a racing simulator. Um, so it's like a, you've got the cockpit. It's an F1 sim. You've got the cockpit. And you've got like screens all around you. It's something I wanted to do for a while. So we just thought, uh, why not now? Yeah, that sounds good, man. Like it'll, it'll be uh, hopefully hopefully it's enjoyable. Uh, hopefully it feels like you're going um, as fast as the time seems to go. Uh, I hope so. You know, uh, fa- and hopefully you go faster than the time seemed to go during that international break. But um, oh yeah. And of course, Saints came back from the international break and, and drew with Chelsea. And, you know, there were, there were some times in the first half where I was a little bit worried, but, but overall, um, I think, I think it's a fair result. And, um, I think we saw the good, the bad and the ugly from saints today, uh, or, or Saturday. And, uh, we'll, we'll get into that in just a moment. Um, but before we do that, let's, let's talk a little bit about, about what's some other things that have happened, uh, kind of off the pitch. Um, I mean, I, I guess for you, you live in Southampton, as you just said, how did you, consume the match or, or view the match or what did you do to be able to see uh the match given uh the new introduction of, of pay-per-view and and things like that in, within uh within the uk yeah so um the way that i i was a little bit late to the game because i had a little um sleep beforehand but when i do tend to tune in on games it tends to be via um via streams that aren't um backed by official sites because they're just they're sort of they're they're what we, we want to say they're illegal streams, but really they're shown all over the internet. It's impossible not to find them these days. And they tend to be just re-show or uh, people streaming like NBC and things like that. Yeah. It's, just, it's a similar thing. What we're trying to do in the UK, so I think it's, I believe it's £15 per game that's not shown on Sky or BT, mm-hmm. which it's just, in, to me, it's ridiculous. It's so expensive. You could, you, the younger generation especially, we, we have all these apps and websites on the internet where we can find uh, these games so easily. And even if it's not on a website to find a stream, if we use other countries have schemes like, like for example, NB, um, NBC and in India, for example, for games like that, it's so much cheaper and you get it, you get so much more out of it. So I just don't, I don't really see the point. The, like I said, the younger generation know more about it. So it's going to be the older generation paying for this sort of stuff. So I, I just think it's a bit, I think it's a bit of a sort of money grab, personally. So, I mean, th- this is a, it's kind of unprecedented, I guess, that you could even stream the three o'clock kickoffs um, in the UK. It hasn't been uh, allowed for, for a very long time. And, and I think I, I understand the, the desire by, the, the, by Sky and BT to put these games um, on air, right? Like you understand these people who would normally be going to the stadium and being in the stadium now can't view the match at all. Um, They say, well, here's a way to watch it. Um, But then you look at the pricing and everything else and you just go like, you, you've completely missed, you missed it here. Like you're, you're, 
I mean, if it was five pounds, yeah, a match. Could, I mean, I I think more people because honestly, it's easier. You know, it's less of a worry than finding a stream and having to go down in the middle of a game and all that stuff. But it's easier to do that. But fifteen pounds a match. I mean, that's outrageous. Yeah, fifteen pounds a game. Like it's outrageous anyway. But if you add to the equation the fact that there is a global pandemic on and not everyone can afford this at the time because you know they're out of jobs and you know got to support family support themselves etc cetera, etc cetera. it just doesn't really make sense i mean yeah five pounds a game even then you thought oh, okay you're still going to pay that much because you want to watch it but when you have the option to find these streams elsewhere which is probably it's free for one that's the main thing and do you lose any real quality in the in the in watching it no i mean it's all, it reminds me sort of when you remember when the first time Amazon showed um, games on, on their website. The first couple of times they showed games there, it was really glitchy and there were problems with commentary and things like that. So when you're going to charge the amount that you're going to charge people to watch these games, you're going to have to make sure that the quality is on point. Otherwise, there's going to be an extreme backlash and you know it, it can do more damage than good because people are going to see that and be like, well... I don't really want to pay for that sort of dodgy service. So, I mean, it's, it's, there's a lot to lose. But is there much to gain? I don't think so. And as you pointed out earlier, um, in, in America, I'm able to watch this match and every 3 o'clock kickoff and every other match for that matter, um, mm. I think it's $60 a year. And, yeah. and replays are also available so I can watch. You know, I did not get up at, at 4 o'clock or whatever time the, the Merseyside Derby kicked off. Uh, I did see the score, which I there's no way to avoid it at this at this point by watching another mm-hmm. match. But um, you know, I can go back and watch that match if I want. I can I can look at the scores and go like, oh, I want to see how this one played out and watch that back later. Um, and so, as you said, we get so much more for sixty dollars a year, and that's I mean that's four matches for for you guys. And and as you said, I, I just think it's it, it, considering all all of the things that are that should be important to people. It's um, it, I think the the expression may be like they have a, a tin ear. Maybe is that is that mm. is that the right expression? Yeah, I mean, even when I watch the streams on a website, the the source of that stream tends to be NBC. So I don't have an I wouldn't have an issue paying ten bucks or whatever it is a year or a month to watch those games because they're good quality. I enjoy watching those games, and you get so much more for so, such little, um, or so much little more of a expense per se. And you know. It's just, it sort of hinders the question of what sort of what were they modeling the price around? Like, if you want to look at your target audience and what other people are paying for a similar service, and you have to ask yourself why are they charging fifteen pounds a game, not a week? Like, if it's fifteen pounds for the entire for like a weekend of games, it's still expensive, but it makes more sense than fifteen pounds per game. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you imagine some of these these places, these houses where people are supporting multiple teams, and all of a sudden you're looking at thirty or forty five pounds a week yeah. to to mm-hmm. watch to watch your team. And and I and I want to say and make sure we we put it out there that you know Saints didn't have a choice in setting the price. That price was set by Sky and BT. Yeah. And there are I think there are things that can be done by clubs, perhaps if people already purchased season tickets, because clubs were you no know, not shy in saying you know you can you can still you know. We understand it's a pandemic, but if you can afford and you want your season ticket, you know we could also use the money. Um, yeah. But as as it seems like the idea that we're going to be able to watch football soon in in the stadium 
is being pushed further and further back by what's happening around the pandemic. Um, I think it would be a good move by Saints to to kind of uh, allow season ticket holders maybe a credit back on their account as they purchase these things. And I don't know exactly how that works, but I think Saints probably should do something given that they can't control uh, the price. Um, so I can't be mad at them necessarily, but I still think they could they could come out of this uh, from a PR standpoint looking looking all right. I think, but it's going to take some work, and it's probably not going to be the it's not going to be the most fun thing they do all year, obviously. But um, you know, I don't know. And so I just wonder um, how many people today missed out on, on on the match because they couldn't or refused or you know don't want to take part. Because I've talked to a lot of people that said they're not going to pay the money simply because if they do, they feel they would be part of the problem. And yeah, and I can understand that. And I don't, I don't want to contribute to that. I want, I want fans to be, you know, I think fans are the most important part of this whole thing. And, you know, we can all sit and watch on our TVs at home, but there is something about fans being in the stadium. Um, you think of what Stanford bridge would have been like had, you know, our team conceded those goals and then their team conceded those goals today or, or Saturday. And, and you just would have thought about how much that, um, you know, would have played into it and how much better the, the atmosphere would have been. Right. Like, I, I don't know. I, that's, that's, that's kind of where I'm at on it, but um, overall, not a great move by Sky and BT. I don't think they're making any friends in terms of in, in, from fans, but I don't know. So is, is your plan just to, to continue with the streams? And do you think that, that, I mean, what do you think the age cutoff for like standard age cutoff for using that stream and, and, versus uh paying the the full price will, will be somewhere hmm. i would say the the general consensus of the knowledge of these apps and websites for streams tends to be around the young sort of younger generation so let's say sort of teenagers let's say maybe 30 to 40 is where they they have knowledge of these sort of streams and i would then say from sort of 40 45 ish upwards it tends to be more or right, i'm going to listen to it on the web on the Samsung website on audio for example and then watch highlights of it laid on YouTube or match of the day or what have you. But I, but yeah, that's how I sort of see it now these days. Yeah. And there, there was one other point, uh, part of what BT and sky cited as their reason for the increased price is they have to justify the, the, they can justify that price because of the number of angles they'll get, uh, the, the quality of the, of the service you're going to be provided given, um, you know, the eye follow stuff that happens in the EFL, uh, it's mm-hmm. one camera angle. And, and, you know, it's not, it's not super great quality. Um, but I just like to point out those cameras are already there, you know, yeah. um, we're getting, uh, NBC now has a deal with sky. So we get a lot of sky coverage. So, uh, some of the bigger games some of the games like Merseyside Derby and stuff that, that are, that are shown outside of that 3 PM window. Um, sometimes we get, you know, sky graphics and things like that. So those things are already there and match of the day needs those angles as well. So I don't really want to hear that. Oh, it costs this much because we have to have extra because those things are already running. And I understand that BT and sky don't always work together. I understand all of that, but um, I just think that like, as you, as you said, it seems like a, a little bit of a money grab from them uh, and yeah. it hasn't impressed me, but I guess uh, you know, what else is new? Um, yeah, <laughs> there you go. And this might be another thing where we see um, the TV packages kind of come down in price a little bit as they, as they did last, last time around. So we'll have to see. And, and, and I mean that in terms of what, Sky and BT are going to be willing to pay the Premier League, not what they're going to charge consumers, um, which doesn't seem to go down ever. Yeah. Um, but we had other things that happened uh, th- this this week. Obviously, the international break. Ings and Ward Prowse both called up for England. 
Um, neither one of them got a lot of minutes. Ings did get his goal and he took it well. Uh, he started the match against Wales, the, the friendly, uh, then Warprouse came on as a sub, but um, neither one of them played in the actual Nations League matches. Ralph was rather upset by the fact that they tried to squeeze three games in. But I guess from your perspective, are you are you happy that Ings didn't play all of those minutes and that maybe Ward-Prowse was kept semi-fresh for us? Or would you have rather... Uh, I'm, I'm kind of conflicted because maybe I want them just to stay, you know, stay with Southampton and be, let them train and let them be better for today and more prepared for today than to to come back on Thursday or Friday um, in, a, in a match they didn't play against or in and then, you know, have to turn around and play on Saturday in, in the Premier League. Yeah, it's, it's out of your control because, yes, England want to do well, but when when a player from your club, especially one who is as heavy reliant as we are on Ings, per se, we rely so heavily on him, it's unbelievable. If he gets injured during England training, what can we... Then we have zero power over anything that happens. So, yeah, I was happy that he got, um, he got that game and I was happy that he scored and Ward-Prowse as well, but... In the back of your mind, there's always that little bit of worry that if they do get injured, that really hinders your season as a club. Um, yeah. And three games as well. In Three games in, in that short space of time was just ridiculous. Yeah, and I just think the friendly was probably unnecessary. Uh, you understand the Nations League stuff probably has to happen, but you know, I don't, I don't know. We'll, we'll see how it goes. And I just hope that Ings is able to play his way into the into the team more often. It doesn't seem it seems like Ward Prowse is a further is further from from being able mm-hmm. to establish himself as a as a starter. But uh I'm proud of the guys for being there. I want them to be there, but I'm also, you know, first and foremost, I I kind of want them healthy for us. Um yep. a- elsewhere around the team, um, you know, Bednarak and Vestergaard had fairly decent international breaks. I think um I think Poland are topping their group at this point. Um so so I think everybody came back healthy except for Stuart Armstrong. He showed up, he tested positive, he had to isolate. Um, and and as a result, he doesn't make the match day squad for us this week. Um, mm-hmm. And so that's not Scotland's fault or anything, but it just seems like, you know, he had the injury last time. Now he has this, um, you know, I want him to play for Scotland because uh, that Scotland team needs him. Um, mm-hmm. But once again, I'd rather have him in the team. But uh, we did maybe benefit from that today because we got to see Theo Walcott make his top flight debut for Saints um, mm-hmm. at the age of 31. Uh, I almost wish he would have been 32 just because he was 16 last time. He would have been 32 yeah. this time. It all seemed like it would have worked uh, almost, almost perfect. And he almost got a goal as well. So um, I don't know. Any any thoughts on, on Armstrong and, and the whole thing or even the idea that we're going to fly these guys around and let bubbles mix and, and all of this stuff um, for the sake of international friendlies? Yeah, it just seems a little bit hypocritical that, you know, footballers can fly around the world, you know, playing here, there, everywhere when there are different lockdown rules for each country. But when footballers seem to fly around, they can, you know, prance about in countries that have no lockdown, countries that have lockdown, you know. I just think it's a bit, it's just a little bit hypocritical, um, in my opinion. I just, I think, I'm not the, the biggest fan of international friendlies regardless, but during a global pandemic, I just think it's, uh, it's something to be avoided. Yeah, yeah. Um, just briefly, I don't want to spend too much time on it because it was unanimously voted down and we have a, a fantastic match to talk about as well. Um, but Project Big Picture was unanimously voted down by the Premier League clubs this week. But um, some of the ideas introduced and you know negotiating tactics that may be at play here um, concern me slightly. 
And um, I just want to say it was put put forth by by United and Liverpool by their kind of um, parent companies. Uh, both United United's parent company is a publicly traded company, so they spend millions of pounds or millions of dollars each year paying dividends to stockholders. You can buy a, a piece of Manchester United and be a season ticket holder, uh, not a season ticket holder, but a you know a part part owner of the company or a stockholder in the company, um, having never been to Old Trafford or anything else. And I don't want to get all into that stuff, but that that's something that's possible. Um, Fenway Sports Group, uh, the the parent company of Liverpool, is looking at doing that, and this would you know be a way to further increase uh, their their revenue streams. Potentially, they would be given more kind of more power over over what happens within the Premier League. Um, from and there would also be uh, one of some of the big things where like the EFL Cup would be would be dropped. Um, two teams would fall out of the Premier League, so the the, the pyramid in, in England would go down to ninety instead of 92 um, this would in my view free up more more chances for Liverpool and Manchester United to squeeze in um, in you know not international matches but but matches against European clubs or whether they're uh, the season is shortened so the friendlies that they play these uh, international Champions Cup matches that are extremely lucrative um, can be played and things like this and um, for all of the good that is there in terms of passing money down to lower league clubs and everything else, I think there are a lot of things there that, that really concern me and it just doesn't sound like a good idea. So I'm glad it's out, but I am worried that some of these things are going to come back and it's a matter of time before these things kind of um, pop up again. And eventually some of these uh, demands are, are kind of uh, given into, I guess. Mm-hmm. I'm, not the, I'm not a huge fan of uh, giving specific clubs a particular amount of power over the, the idea that the league should be as equal as it can be because already it seems to be a little bit Uneven, of, of course, due to you know um, budgets, etc., of different mm-hmm. the different clubs. But when you when you give clubs power and money to do these sort of things, it I don't think it, it doesn't sit right for me. I, that, some of the ideas I don't mind. I don't I don't mind the idea of you know the the playoffs for the relegation slash promotion. I don't think that's a terrible idea because I know they do that in other countries. Um, so maybe you know maybe it can be trialed and tested and if it doesn't work we scrap it if it does work we keep it but yeah i think overall not uh, overall rejecting it was probably a good idea yeah so i i guess we just have to watch and, and see what kind of comes out of this and I, I guess the joke was it was you know they spent three years working on it somebody leaked it and then it was unanimously voted down immediately um so um who knows and and i've seen various pundits that i you know respect and, and journalists that i respect kind of disagreeing on things um, in terms of, in terms of how it would affect, uh, clubs. But, um, you know, I, I don't, I, like you said, giving power to anybody, any one club over another, I don't think is great. Um, especially because if you look back at, at the, the top six or the big six, when uh, the premier league started versus now, it was a lot different. And so I don't think, um, just looking at the teams who have, uh, kind of been here recently, um, at, kind of towards the top deserve, uh, to be, yeah. to be held up and given that power because, um, things change, you know, uh, yeah. teams that were fantastic for a long time and strong for a long time, uh, now don't exist anymore. And so, um, that can happen and not that it will happen, but, but that can, so I don't want, I don't really want to see that there, but, yeah. um, we'll just keep paying attention to it and, and keep reading on it. And there's, uh, I know this is not a, an advertisement for the athletic, but there's a lot of really good stories and, and analysis on it in the athletic and also, um, and some of the other papers around, um, around England. So, uh, people can check that out if, if they wish. Um, just 
very briefly, uh, does Angus Gunn going on loan, does that, does that bother you at all? No, not, not particularly. Uh, out of the three ones, I, so I saw Angus Gunn go on loan to Stoke. I'm not particularly bothered. I hope he comes. I, I think the 9 0 loss hit him quite hard out of anyone in, the, in, the, in that sort of team. Um, I hope he comes back a better player. Um, I think Force, it's fair that Force has given a chance considering the, the stuff he's done whilst on loan at Celtic. Um, but yeah, I, I, at the moment, I think Addison Carthy isn't going to get dropped at all because without him, we could have conceded multiple goals today. Um, the other one, Heskis as well. Heskis and Sims. Sims went on loan to Doncaster. Uh, Doncaster, yeah. yeah. Um, I, I, I feel bad for Sims because I remember a game a couple of seasons back um, against Everton, he came on as a sub, and um, he changed the game for us. So he, he's just—I think he's a good player. I think he deserves to be given a chance, especially given this. I mean, we we didn't even attack it anyway, and I know we got Walcott, who I was very impressed with today. But it, Gineppo's injured again, unfortunately. If if another attacker is to get injured, and we sold Buffal as well, if another attacker is to get injured, then Sims would have been an ideal. Uh, person to have waiting in the wing. If he's not playing for us, he could play for the under-23s or whatever, but I think he would have been a good one to have. And similar to Heskis as well, um, recently comes on as a sub, plays in the cup, here and there, a few good, uh, a few good appearances. Um, but he, he also ends up on loan, and it, it surprises me a bit because they were given a chance under Well and Hughes, and you would think someone like Ralph, who seems to put an a massive emphasis on youth and development and things like you would have thought that he might give them a chance, but I, yeah, I, I'm just happy it's on loan rather than permanent because they could always have a stellar season and then come back and, you know, do amazing things for Southampton. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Sims did, did go to Doncaster and Doncaster played Portsmouth over the weekend and uh, Josh Sims got the uh, game winning assist. So, um, at least there's that. Yeah. Um, the, the gun, on loan to Stoke that I hope that he can get some confidence back as, as you kind of mentioned and the nine nil did do something. He is definitely still very young. He's got a lot of time yeah. to improve. Um, but we have kind of McCarthy and, and Forrester and we seem to have this thing where we always have the keepers that have either just been considered for England duty or just on the outskirts of England duty. Um, but we don't seem to really have England's flat out number one, even, and even when it looked like we had the chance to have those things, uh, you know, Forster had a chance to, to establish himself, uh, after Joe Hart kind of fell out of it. Um, you know, he didn't, he got hurt, uh, confidence went down the window or down the drain. And, um, all of a sudden, you know, now we have Jordan Pickford. Um, there you go. And by we, I mean you, because I'm not English, um, not English enough to claim the English national team as my team. Um, but anyway, uh, yeah, I think, you know, Sims, uh, his season in the United States kind of was was disrupted, obviously, by COVID. Um, Hesketh just hasn't really made a senior appearance. So maybe this first team football uh, is better than the B team for them in terms of hopefully they, they, they can continue to develop and, and maybe they come back and get a chance. I don't know. Um, we'll just have to kind of wait and see. It does kind of feel like Josh Sims is just not ever going to get a real chance um, yep. at Saints, but what we will see. Um. But enough, enough of all of this. Uh, let's let's talk about Chelsea because that yeah. obviously was. Uh, I I don't know. I I think I said at the top of the show it, it was the good, the bad, and the ugly. Like it was the it was the best of times, the worst of times. How many how many of these things can I can I do? The 
the lineup that we came out with shouldn't have been a surprise, I don't think, to anybody. Um, no. Walcott got the start because Janapo and Armstrong are out. Uh, the rest of the team is kind of there. Diallo's on the bench. Um, and we and we went after it. And and we we did all of the things that I think we should have done. But let's start with the lineup for you. Were you were you surprised or were you disappointed that that uh, anybody who made it or didn't make it? Um, no, I think Walcott was to be expected. Walker was to be expected, considering Armstrong and Janepo were both injured, as you said. Vestergaard um, is always, he blows hot and cold. You know, one game he'll be really good, and then the next game he'll be, he'll be an absolute donkey. The attack is just, it will, Adams, Ings, and Redmond will always stay the same. Uh, the midfield, um, Romeo and Ward-Prowse, I think, played really well. I'm keen to see Salisu back, because I think he'll add a bit of pace and a bit of strength to the defense. Um, it's probably what we were expecting when we got Vestigar. We didn't get it, so Salisu's going to provide that. Um, I'm really happy with um, Walker Peters and Bertrand as our fullbacks. I think they they play really well. Um, yeah, Walcott, save your goal and sort of an assist if you can almost an assist turn shot if you can call it that. Um, yeah, I'm just I'm I'm quite happy with the team that we put out there today. And when Genef- when Genefo and Armstrong are both fit, I I think they'll probably both games of the team as well. I think that's probably our best team. Yeah, I guess Armstrong starting and Walcott coming off the bench for you going to be the thing to do out wide there? Or or do you think yeah. Walcott, Walcott I, starts? I, I, think, I think it would be the move because Walcott, he's not as fast as he, you know, like as he was 16 years ago when he first put on a same shirt. Um, so he probably he probably would be that, that impact sub. Armstrong's more of a creative spark that we could need at the start of a game and Walcott's just a bit of fresh legs that we can need when, you know, coming up against the tight defence. But I think I think even rotational between the two of them, depending on who we play, is probably the way to go. Okay. Yeah. We'll we'll get into it a little bit. But um yeah, I think I think the lineup was about as good as we could hope for at this point given who was healthy and who who wasn't uh, and who was available. Um no small bone in the lineup. Uh, I don't know what happened there. Maybe something on international duty, but he will, I think, seem to probably struggle to get into that now, given that we have Diallo in. And and as much as Ralph has worked with the players that have been here, um, he definitely seems keen to work with some of the, the signings and things like that. Uh, but I was impressed, actually, that Walcott was able to come in because Ralph's system is very demanding. There's very specific things, and we've seen other people be slowly eased in. Obviously, uh, Silesius had an injury when he got here, but... Um, he has been, you know, slowly introduced. I, I didn't expect to see Diallo um, on the field at all today, but uh, with the Romeo yellow card, he did come on and, and get a couple of minutes. So we'll just have to kind of see how all of that plays out. Um, but let's, let's let's talk about the match itself. Uh, I mean, Chelsea are good going forward, right? That, that's no surprise. Yeah. The the attacking pace that they have, um, some of the moves they put together today were fantastic. But seeing uh, Kepa in goal gives me hope um, in knowing that we can press the way we do, we can force mistakes. Um, and I think all of it kind of kind of played out uh, a little bit. But um, for you, I, I guess the first 15, 20 minutes, how did you feel ab- ab- about the match and how were you feeling about Saints uh, during that time? Yeah, there were phases in the game where we, we, put some good, we put some good plays together, but things weren't quite falling our way in terms of that final opportunity. Um, the early goal from Chelsea kind of, you know, it was a bit disheartening. Um, but, you know, 
it, it was what it was. Chelsea, just you know, with Chelsea, the, the defense is always a bit weak. You know, we mentioned, but you also mentioned like Zuma and Aspilicueta, who are always prone to these sort of errors. And with the way that we press these sort of, the way that we play our football in terms of the high pressing game that we have against them, I think all all three, what well, definitely the first, all, definitely the first two of our goals were down to the press and uh, forcing Chelsea to make uh, stupid mistakes, and we just clinically finished them. I think we, and like I said, there were space in the game that we put some really nice passes uh, in the midfield as well. It's just that our defence as well, Chelsea and Southampton are very similar in the fact that they both have very good attacks, but the defence can always be improved. Um, but yeah, I think 3-3 for the neutrals, it was a brilliant game. Um, yeah. I, I think that there were a couple of, of moments. Um, I think that for me, it was nice to see that even against a Chelsea team that can do you know, what they can do in terms of the pace. And, and I was on uh, the London's Blue podcast uh, earlier this week, kind of previewing the match. And I'm always reluctant to give kind of predictions as to how things happen. But going back to that Spurs match, Sun made so many runs kind of across our back forward and in between the center backs and off the shoulder of the center backs kind of a, on a diagonal that um, we saw him kind of just beat us for pace over and over and over. And you look a- across that, that front line for Chelsea and just go like, there's no way we can turn and run with them. Um, we have to find, we have to be able to pressure the ball and, and do that stuff. And, and I think if you look at, uh, I think it's Timo's, uh, Timo Werner's second goal, um, the, the, the ball's kind of played, not blind, but just kind of looped over um, from Jorginho. And, and then from there, it's it's uh you know it's a foot race that we're never gonna win, and mm-hmm. and I I was worried about that kind of stuff happening over and over and over. But there were also points where we played very very well, uh, both in the midfield and in defense, and and then of course uh, going forward, you know we 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 pressed well um, to force mistakes um, and things like that. So um, it was just kind of this whole this whole thing where it, sometimes it was like cover your eyes and, and hope that it doesn't get too bad, and then other times. Uh, where hey, we might actually be able to take something from this, and maybe even you know get a winner in it if we would just would have stuck the ball in the mixer the, there at the end. Yeah, it was it was when we made it two all, and then you know sort of a minute later we made it three two. They made it three two. You sort of have it in your mind that oh, here we this is just typical Southampton. You know, this is what we do. We come back in games, then we throw it all down the bin because we can't really defend that well. But then you know Chelsea sort of have a tendency to you know, not be the most reliable in defense. So we, we weren't playing badly, but we were, we were just getting, you know, a little bit, not unlucky, but just stand, just little things here and there in defense that we could improve, but Chelsea exploited. Um, and we exploited their mistakes as well. So it was just, a, it was just, today it was just a tale of two good attacks and two, well, a, a few poor defensive errors that led to a lot of goals. Yeah. Yeah, I think we saw Bednarak get get uh, done by the dummy uh, by by Werner the first for the first goal. Um, you know, sucks him in. Bednarak tries to get tight. Uh, Werner just lets it run, turns, beats him for pace, and then takes a number of touches. You kind of, I was hoping like we had enough people back. I think there were five defenders back there, five Saints around him, um, and he somehow manages to get his goal uh, to go across there. Um, we had just had the warning shot where he was slightly offside for not even slightly, he was offside for the the, the first one that was ruled back. Are called back, and then you know I think from that point when they scored and went one nil up, 
it looked like it could have gotten pretty bad from there. Uh, and, and all the way until they made it to nothing, um, we, we looked like we were trying to find ourselves and trying to, to, to figure out how to get a foothold into the game. And then after they scored, I thought we, we played quite well. Um, kind of mentioned the, the ball from Jorginho and um, kind of just looped over the top and, and Werner to head it down. And somebody, I think, uh, pointed out Bednarak headed it down and it actually hit um, Werner's arm, but nobody did anything. And then he just pops it over McCarthy and then heads it into the net. And it's it's got to be frustrating for Saints to have that happen. But I think the response from them was, was, was fantastic in the fact that... Um, they were the ones that were going into halftime. I think Chelsea would have would have wanted the whistle to come more so than Saints. Yeah, you, you would predict it anyway, because considering the the investment that Chelsea have put in their team uh, in attack and a little bit in the defense as well. Um, on paper, Chelsea have a much better team, but at the end of the day, when it comes down to two managers, you've got a manager who's just you know no disrespect to Frank Lampard, but he's only this is his first big job in the game. He just came out of the job with Derby uh, in the Championship, and then he's moved. Straight into the Chelsea lineup, you know, you can buy as many players as you want, but when the tactics aren't right, it just won't work. Then you've got Ralph, he's managed, you know, he managed Leipzig back when they sort of first, first onto the team. He, he, I think, hasn't Ralph worked with Werner almost. Yeah. And, you know, Werner knew, Werner probably had it in the back of his mind how Hassan would play almost because that he was that familiar with it. But, at the end of the, when it, it comes down to practice, you have one who's not experienced, one who is. Sometimes experience pays off, and the experience today certainly paid off, I would say. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. And, and I think, you know, Werner maybe had a little bit uh, of, of knowledge as to, as to what that system was going to look like, but he, you know, he, he scored for Germany over the break. Um, he hasn't quite hit the ground running yet, but did well today. And, and if you look at where those goals came from for Chelsea today, um, it was some individual skill from, from Werner for the first, um, a pass knowing that you have a forward who can outrun the back four, uh, from Jorginho to Werner for the second. Um, and then, you know, they, they, they played nicely for the third, I, I have to say, and, and it winds up being, um, Havertz there for the third goal as it, for a tap in. But, um, you know, Chelsea do play, like we said, wonderfully going forward. Um, I'm happy to see Christian Pulisic kind of creating chances um, as an American. Not so happy he he looked really good today, um, but but then you know you, you take all that away and and you look at the defensive frailties and the, the fact that that our game plan still worked when we executed the things we needed to do when we pressured the ball um, and we forced Havertz to lose the ball near the edge of his own area, kind of in in, in our final third, then. You know, it's it's a it's a great pass from Adams, a, a a good a great touch from Ings to take it around the keeper, and and all of a sudden we are we are going into halftime with some momentum, um, and and then we came out and I thought we just continued. I thought the second half uh, was just more of the same from from Saints, and I I don't think I don't think Chelsea could complain about about uh, winding up with just a draw th- th- today. No, I think a draw is probably um, fair as I think McCarthy probably saved us as he usually tends to on a few occasions. But I think uh, looking at the stats full-time, I think a draw was probably a fair, uh, a decent result for both teams at the end of the day. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about Che Adams because he actually did get a goal. Um, he had had a couple of chances early on, and, and maybe if he puts those away, it, it changes things. But, you know, um, but it came from more pressing. And I thought that he was really good in the first half. Obviously, he got the assist for, for Ings, but he also did really, really well. He does more of the hold-up play for, for Saints. He 
puts his back to goal, um, controls the ball, and then brings kind of the midfield into it. Um, and so, and he also does a lot of running in the channels and things like that. So I, I think his his game has he's gotten a lot better. He's strong. I think he looks good um, all over the pitch. But to see him get the goal and just to press, and then Zuma makes a, a horrible mistake, and then Kepa makes um, a pretty lackluster challenge. You would expect, you know, most children to to go in uh, a little yeah. tougher than that in, in, in a challenge. But maybe he's worried about giving away a penalty or or whatever. Um, and then I thought we just made a mess of it. I thought there was no way we we're going to get it in. And then Adams just fired it. And had he been four yards further out, it would have hit row row Z, but he, you know, he hits, he puts it in the top of the net and, um, all of a sudden it's two, two, just like that. Yeah. The, Adams has been playing a role. Um, I'm not sure he would have been familiar with it whilst he was at Birmingham. You saw playing the sort of support role, whereas at Birmingham, he would have been the main forward, but as he's going to have to accept the fact that he's not going to be in positions to score as much as he would be at Birmingham. He's going to sort of take the role of hold up play, bring in the midfield, bring in Ings, et cetera, et cetera. He will get goals occasionally because he'll come off off the wing into the box. But I think, you know, last season it was a little bit frustrating considering he had such a good start, but we had to wait around 33, 34 matches for him to start scoring goals. The one against City was particularly impressive. Um, but no, I... I I was a bit frustrated with Adams to start with, but I think slowly but surely he's sort of turning into a player where, you know, you look at the lineup, you, you start, you're beginning to wonder if he's, you know, one of the starting to solidify his places as sort of undroppable almost. Yeah, well, I think the partnership between him and Ings is definitely there. Um, mm-hmm. And just looking at his touches, uh, according to who scored, uh, Adams had 32 touches, and they're, they are evenly distributed across uh, the pitch for the most part. Um, a lot of them... Not in the penalty box. He's got a lot of uh, of stuff in the in, in their half, and but not all of them are are as close to goal as we would have hoped. But he is he's getting onto the ball, and he's I think he's bringing others into play, which I think is is super important. And I think that he's he's obviously he was brought in under with the idea that he would be uh, the partner to Danny Ings um, and Long and Obafemi and other guys are going to have to to wait their turn um, because I don't I don't see them necessarily. Uh, unseating Adams from that, from that, as, as, as you pointed out. Um, and then, you know, to make things worse for us right after we score, they go back and score. Um, this is just kind of a well-worked passing sequence. Eventually it leads, uh, to, to Hoppers being able to tap it in. And at that point, I'll be honest, I kind of just went like, well, you know, there it goes. I, I can't yeah. see us really, really doing it, but saints didn't necessarily back down though. The game kept going. It was still entertaining. And, um, but I wasn't quite sure we were going to be able to to do it again. No, I'm sure Ralph would have, you know, he would have said we've we've come back already. You know, we can do it again. These lot aren't they're not the best, so we can we can still they're still going to be prone to the occasional mistake. The way that the last goal came about wasn't quite a defensive mistake, more than a sort of pot shot and light deflection of Vestergaard that went in. But I I was I never lost too much hope, but it always did stick in the back of your mind that. Oh well, you know, it's just going to be one of those days where we don't, you know, take our chances, or we don't, you know, we don't convert these chances that we make, and we don't convert this good play into good uh, goal-scoring opportunities, which we will take. It, it just, it could have gone frustrating, but I, I think today was a good, good, very good result, Samson. Well, let's talk about the last goal because I, I do want to also talk about Theo Walcott's top-flight debut for the team. I was a little disappointed in his performance in the first half but not to the point where I want to be overly critical because 
the system is new. The team is new. The teammates are new. Um, you know, he's playing against, uh, he's playing with a fullback he's never played with before. Um, and, and so he's kind of got all these things stacked against him. But in the first half, I thought he really struggled to, to get into the game. I was very annoyed with our commentator here, and you might have been the same person you, you were listening to if you were watching a stream, um, just continuously talking about how he needed to be, to be wider. He was playing too narrow. And it was, it was just to me, like going, like, you don't understand the system that Ralph has these guys playing. Like, these guys tuck in and, and play narrow and allow the fullbacks to get forward. And I do realize that it was giving Chelsea a lot of room to operate out wide. So maybe he needed to provide a bit more cover. But that wasn't necessarily what the announcer was, was harping on. Um, but I do think that when Walcott got on the ball, especially in the second half, there were a couple of times where he was able to take um, the ball in, in midfield kind of in turn and, and break towards, um, towards goal and create some chances, which I thought were, were uh, really impressive. Uh, and, I, and I appreciated that. I thought he was much more effective there than he was. I uh, wasn't really impressed with very many of his crosses, to be honest. Um, but but what did you make of, of his performance overall and then maybe especially in the second half? Yeah, the second half was definitely an improvement from him. I mean, like you said, it's probably, I'm not sure how long it's been since he you know, pulled on a, a shirt um, to start a match um, for Everton. But, um, but yeah, all the factors you mentioned, you know, it's going to be hard for anyone. But for someone who's, you know, 31 years of age, he's an experienced player, but um, 30, it tends to be a bit harder if you're, when you're that age. Um, um, I think he got into the game a bit more. I wouldn't have been surprised if Ralph had taken him to one side at half time specifically just to be like, just to go over a few things because he would have been unfamiliar with the system in, in, in terms of on a match day. Um, but I'm happy. Um, for a debut, I don't think it was terrible. Um, there's, there's signs. There's promising signs there. Um, and things that can be worked on for him, for sure, for the future. I think he definitely has things that he can offer the team, and I think that will be, will be great. And uh, part of that, I talked about it on a, on a Patreon episode. Um, I am I'm impressed with the signing because it, it just there is a, a leadership role that we lack at Saints. We've talked about that for a long time, and sometimes I think we all thought it was going to be a defender that we brought in, but I think this could be it. And I think with even with Redmond having a decent season uh, a few seasons ago, then kind of tailing off a little bit. Um, maybe this is the kick he needs. There, the, this is the this is how you go about your business, and th- these are the things you do when you're feeling down and all this other stuff. Um, but you look at guys like Tella, you look at guys like Genevo, um, They could be brought along by by Walcott, and if something were to happen to Ings or Adams, Walcott can also play through the middle. Although I don't really want to see him play there. Um, I thought he was really good um, in, in the second half, especially. Uh, with some of those and I think I have like it seemed like he had a kind of a run between the 75th and the 85th minute where he just uh, created uh, some chances and, and was really really good and kind of came to life late in the game um, after the Redmond substitution when Tele came on for him so I thought that was pretty good um, also just want to get this in there I hate Mason Mount um, that is all and that's a, that's a very supported scheme around my friendship group as well they all hate Mason Mount uh, the guys from the London's Blue Flag I was very surprised and I had to you know, it, it doesn't it doesn't take a genius to figure it out and they're like oh it totally makes sense so i was like okay yeah here we go um also, so brief, briefly on walcott as well the, the the thing that he brings as well that not many people can bring to the club is the feel-good factor the, the nostalgic factor that he brought that he brought back to the fans when he signed it made it made me and i'm sure it made a lot of other fans like he's not maybe the best signing in the world in terms of natural footballer but the morale that he brings in terms of the feel-good factor making people Feel you know just happy that he's back. The 
you know, you saw the tweets of him in the old shirts. You saw the videos of him when he was 16 in a shirt. You know, it's just such a nice feeling to have. And like I said, not many people bring it. But the fact that you brought that, it just made, it just, you know, brought positivity that not many people can bring. Yeah. And, and I think uh, at a time when we're in a global pandemic and, you know, uh, everything else going on, this is good. And this is, this is maybe, uh, I don't think it was just, um, I don't think he was only signed for that reason, but I definitely think that yeah. that was part of it. And he specifically said he wanted to come here, um, mm-hmm. that he wanted to, um, this is the only place he would he'd be willing to go. And he gave up money to, to do it. Uh, he gave up bonuses to do it. And, you know, I think his, I think this is all in the right place. And, um, you know, I definitely take him over Adam Lallana. I know a lot of people were like, well, you know, mm-hmm. Lallana went to Brighton. Um, I think this yeah. is, this is, uh, definitely the better signing for, for us. So, um, Anyway, uh, let's let's talk about that final goal because we got kind of into a we, we didn't have very many corners today, uh, but we finally got it kind of into the area, and you know the ball falls to Walcott who has a strike a goal, slight deflection from Vestergaard as you said. Uh, so I think Vestergaard technically gets the goal. Um, mm-hmm. Walcott would have gotten the assist, but I think I don't know if it was going wide or not. I don't want to speculate, um, but. Overall, I think, you know, Walcott had a pretty good game. And when that happened, um, I kind of thought like, you know, Chelsea are there like to be, to, to be, we, we can get all three points and maybe that's being a bit greedy, but we're going to win four, three. Um, but, but overall, I think that just, that just put the dagger in it for Chelsea that, um, you know, we, we, we did the job today. Yeah. It's also, it's um, when the team that tends to be behind, you know, with the last 15, 10 minutes, they tend to have possession of the ball for the majority of the time. It tends to put a lot of doubt in the opponent and a lot of momentum and belief in, you know, the team that are behind and the ones attacking. So when we're, you know, we're throwing the ball into the box for these chances for Chelsea to defend, it just sort of, the belief just is growing and growing and growing. And the fact that we got that goal so late on in the game, I thought it was Walker who scored. Um, but the fact that we got that goal, just, you know, it, it makes all that hard work pay off. And I'm sure Ralph will tell um team that, you know, this is what you get when you work hard until the final whistle. Because I'm sure there'll be, there'll be moments in the season where we will be victim of late goals and there will be moments where we will be, you know, we will benefit from late goals. But if we keep working hard until the last minute, then, you know, more like, more things like this can come. And I think it will benefit the team and, you know, our points tally as well, especially. Yeah. And I just, I think something we can take from this match is, oftentimes like you said we are the team who concedes late uh in the half or in 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 the game uh if you watch the tottenham hotspur documentary uh it's one of the things Mourinho says you can't do um which obviously team allowing goals is not good right like that's not that's not rocket science but um we scored in the 43rd minute Ing scored in the 43rd minute so it changes the dynamic of the first half it changes the momentum going into halftime and then vestergaard scores in stoppage time um, there and so that's twice there that that Chelsea have have just not been able to get over the hurdle and that has to be frustrating for them because they have so much firepower up front they created um, you know we actually had more shots and more shots on target but I think their XG was was higher based on the quality of the chances they created and so you would have expected um, you know to to be able to you score three goals you expect to win matches like you you can't. Yeah. If you're, if you're going to be towards the top of the Premier League or expect to do anything in Europe, you can't be having that happen. So for us to go there and do that, uh, I'm, I'm totally great uh, with that. Um, and I just 
want to think. I think uh, over a thousand passes in this match. Well, one thousand sixty-two passes according to the stats I'm looking at. Uh, the the ball was moving around quickly. The ball was was uh, you know there was a lot of one and two touch passing going on, and it, I think it was like we said, it was just a great match to watch. Uh, and I and I just hope that um, you know future matches. I, I would love it for this to be entertain this entertaining all the time. But maybe if we could win it and, <laughs> and not score, some yeah, of, not allow some of those goals, it'd be great. Um, but uh, do you have anything else before we move on? We got a couple of questions from some patrons that we'll we'll answer and then we'll we'll uh, wrap it up. I think we're good to move on. All right, all right. Um, so uh, everybody can send in questions for the show. We generally try to get to as many as we can. Um, obviously, we recorded this shortly after the final whistle, so not as much time. But um, you can send them in uh, on SouthamptonDelivery.com by just using the the contact page, or you can send an email, uh, or you can look for the posts that go out on social media. Um, patrons do get priority for having their questions answered on the show each week. Uh, this one comes from uh, one of the newest patrons, so shout out to, to Colt Baker. Uh, but how do you think today's result will help going into the match against Everton next week? Um, and then do we have any news well, on the progress of Salisu? I do not have any progress news on Salisu. Um, I can say there was a training picture of him and he looks, um, he's, he looks strong. I don't know. I don't know what yeah. else to say. Like he looks like an athlete and I can't wait to watch him play. Uh, but I don't have any progress, but how how do you think Saints feel going into next week? Obviously, going against the team that's at the top of the table, um, having drawn with Liverpool earlier uh, earlier before before Saints played. Yeah, um, Everton. They've I've been impressed with them this season. The signings they've made, Harris Rodriguez in particular, Calvert Lewin seems to be having you know a sort of Danny Ings esque season for Everton. Um, the defense. Pickford, you know, we sort of have we have our doubts about him from side to side, so maybe that could be something that we look to exploit when we do come up against them. Um, I'm hoping um, we have a few players back. I'm hoping that Salisu will be could potentially be fit for that. Um, I know Gineppo will probably be Gineppo and Armstrong will probably remain sidelined for it. Um, Diallo could start. It would be nice to see him start. Um, but yeah, I think it'll be a, it'll definitely be. It'll be a tough test because I've, I've said previously that, you know, Southampton, they could be, you know, best of the rest. And at the moment, Everton, they are top of the league, but we still expect them to be sort of along those lines, especially with the signings that they've made. So I think they're sort of the closest thing that we, that we would normally have to sort of the, the thing between big six and mid table almost. So. I I think it'll be it's going to be hard. It's going to be super difficult. I think I think it was Richarlison who got sent off today. That's a huge loss for Everton, considering he's one of the primary sources of the attack, and considering the way that he does seem to play against Southampton, seems to be a massive problem. Um, so I'm glad he's missing the game. Um, but I think it'll be close. I think it'll be a draw or an Everton victory, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, obviously they're they're playing really well. Carlo Angelotti has uh, has them, you know, looking really good. Um, I didn't watch the match uh, before we recorded. Uh, I don't know that I'll go back and watch it. Um, but you know, they they seem to be creating chances and playing kind of free flowing football, which is is nice if you're an Everton fan. A lot of American Everton fans, uh, given the connection of a couple of Americans that that have played there in the past. But um, yeah, I, I I wonder exactly how Saints will approach it. I, I imagine just like we did against Chelsea, we will go after it with kind of the same idea of of pressing and forcing mistakes and because that is our game and i think that we are probably just about to the level where we can continue to do that against most teams 
even if those teams are playing well, we are not going to just adopt the back five and decide we're going to sit in and just try to soak up pressure. Um, and so I am, I'm excited to, to kind of see that. Uh, and I think that the late goal, especially Adams getting a goal, Walcott coming on strong, Ing scoring again. I think all of those things will, will help their confidence. And I think we'll, we'll show up and expect to be competitive, uh, whether we win or not, I don't know, but uh, I think we'll expect to be competitive, which I don't think any of us will, uh, will, will complain about. Last question for the day. This one comes from another patron, Justin Woodward. Uh, he says, is Vestergaard starting to show his worth to the team? And there were a couple of times today, I want to say early on, Vestergaard and Romeo exchanged a little one-two kind of triangle give and go um, inside our own penalty area with a number of Chelsea players around. And I almost I almost lost it at that point. I just you know wanted to throw pens and notebooks and things because I was like, what are you doing? But... Um, you know, it's not just the goal, it's the blocks and the interceptions and the carrying the ball out of defense and positioning himself in, in ways where uh, he muscled Havers off the ball at one point late in the game when it was a, if it would have been a foot race, he would have obviously lost. Um, but for some reason, he's been able to utilize his strengths more uh, under Ralph than he was under previous managers. And he doesn't look he doesn't get exposed as often. I, I want to say it was Bednarak both times that was on Werner and obviously Bednarak is the quicker of the two center backs, so maybe he's he's kind of not man marking him, but but tasked with uh, kind of keeping him in check. And so that's yeah. always you know, and and when when Werner scores and Bednarak's right there, it's, it's going to look worse for him. But um, I think Vestergaard's strengths are being utilized more so now than than I think any coach at Saints has done uh, previously. Uh, but but what are your thoughts on Vestergaard and, and his performances recently? Yeah, Vestergaard recently, he's done a lot better than what he's done previously as well because with Vestergaard, it's always a case of, oh, you do this and that very well, but you just have one moment that will tend, will generally lead to a goal. Um, yeah, there were times when he played with fire today with the ball, sort of dribbling it forward. Made a few good passes forward, a few long balls. Um, but I think looking forward, him and Salisu are two very similar. They're both very strong, very tall, very physical. Um, I don't think they can play together because you sort of have to have that one player, especially in the Premier League these days with the sport, with forwards being as fast as they are. You sort of have to have the, the shorter, sort of strong, short, strong, but relatively fast. So that would be like a Bednarek or a Stevens, you know, short and relatively, a little bit faster. And then you've got, uh, Lisa and Vestergaard who are sort of the, the muscle in the defense almost. Um, but yeah, I, I still think that when Salisu will be fit, Considering what we invested in him as well, I reckon Felice will probably start ahead of Vestergaard, but it's good to see that Vestergaard is um, becoming a viable option uh, as cover, at least, for sure. Well, yeah, and, I, and I've kind of gone back and forth on this because there was a while ago where it was like, well, which one of Stevens or Bednarak will will Salisu replace? And then it's, well, which one of Vestergaard or Bednarak will Salisu replace? And now it's, you know, does he replace Bednarak? And I think... I think the problem with Salisu that we're going to find is he is, uh, from what I've seen and kind of what I've heard, he's very aggressive. So he's mm-hmm. going to be attracted. Um, you, I can see Salisu getting that dummy played on him by Werner yeah. several times. Um, and Salisu is a left-sided center back. So he's going to play probably, as you said, uh, for, for Vestergaard perhaps. But I can see him getting sucked in. Um, the only difference is maybe he has a little bit more of the pace to get back and, and do that. But uh, Vestergaard coming in today, his last five Premier League starts, three clean sheets, 
um, nearly 80% pass completions, uh, 1.4 interceptions per game, 2.2 blocks a game, eight aerials, one per game, 9.8 clearances a game. Um, he's been immense and, and uh, stats are a little bit down today. Obviously we conceded three goals, um, but still no losses in his last six premier league matches where he has started. So, um, you know, pretty happy with, with, with all of that. And overall, happy with, um, I'll take a point from Sanford Bridge. I think if, if you ask any of anybody going into that, they'll take it. Um, the way it came about, pretty exciting. Some mistakes that we can clean up from uh, and, and do better in, in the future. But overall, I think, uh, I think everybody's smiling for the rest of their weekend. Yep, I certainly will be. Yeah. And I'll certainly be bragging to my friends about it, for sure. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, um, if people want to follow you on Twitter, they can do that. Uh, it's at Alex Hammond with no vowels whatsoever. Uh, 21 acts at Alex Hammond 21. Um, the link to that is in the show notes just so people can, can do that. But I just want to say thanks for, for coming on. And, uh, I hope, I hope your year goes well and hopefully we don't wait this long again to, to yeah. have a chat, man. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me. And I hope it'll be, uh, not so long until the next time we speak again. Yeah. And good luck with, uh, all of your journalism endeavors and, and university and, and all that stuff. And hopefully, uh, you know, and, and happy birthday. Enjoy your birthday Thank as you. well. Um, hopefully Thank the you. racing simulator and all that stuff goes well. And um, as long as Vestergaard's not in a racing simulator, um, you know, uh, it'll be it'll be fine. It will be well. Thank you so much. And that does it for this week's episode of the Southampton Delivery Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. I hope you've enjoyed it. Special thanks this week goes out to Alex Hammond. You can find him on Twitter at AlexHammond21. Once again, the links are in the show notes. Slightly complicated to get to, so just click the link. If you also like to follow this show while you are there, you can do that. We are at SFCDELL underscore IVERY on both Twitter and Instagram. We're also on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash SFC delivery. You can get all of that and more at the show website, SouthamptonDelivery.com. Uh, check it out past episodes links to sign up for the newsletter that comes out each and every Friday uh, and lots more so go now the show would be impossible without our partners so to stay up to date with everything going on around Southampton Football Club uh, go ahead and follow the Southampton page they are on Twitter at Southampton page and on Instagram at Southampton page one you will be hearing from Jay at some point in the future on this show you can get more from him you get it right now you just go follow them on Twitter or Instagram. Additionally, if you'd like to learn more about the club's history, uh, maybe have a conversation with a former player or something like that, then you should join the Saints Archive, the newest partner of the show. So you can follow them. They are at Saints Archive. The links are all in the show notes. And uh, I just want to say thank you to all of you for the wonderful kind words about last week's episode, which was our, our first Total Recall episode that we've done with Saints Archive, and it will be one of many. So thanks in advance for listening. Thanks for the kind words, and uh, go give them a follow. The logo for the show is done by Matt Beeling of the We Are Southampton page on Instagram. All music comes courtesy of the Free Music Archive at freemusicarchive.org. The intro song is Epic Song by Boxcat Games, and the end of show credits that you're listening to right now is Aim is True by Ponington Bear. If you would like a little bit extra because you are thoroughly enjoying what you are hearing, consider becoming a patron at patreon.com forward slash SFC delivery. Um, but we will be back next week. Hopefully we have another point or three to talk about. And uh, until then, remember that together, we march on.
I've been impressed with them this season. The signings they've made, Harris Rodriguez in particular, Calvert Lewin, Calvert. You can keep going. It's, it's a separate um, track. Um, Calvert Lewin seems to be having, you know, a sort of Danny Ings esque season for Everton. Um, 